So this is a moment in time podcast season. And when I first wrote that, that, uh, that post, I was just like, yeah, I want to do that. I want to do this. I want to meet new people around the world. I want to speak with, uh, with them. I want to, I don't know. Yeah, speak with different people. So it's so, it's so interesting that I am, people that are, that are coming in and are dropping messages on my inbox are just people that I've never seen in my life, not even on Facebook or Instagram which is exactly what I was looking for. <laughs> so I have no idea what we are going to talk about. I love that though. So much trust in the mystery and what will present itself, hence my pull to the magic as well. So love it. Exactly. So what are you pulled to talk about? <laughs> I did notice and you know it's one of those things where i almost hesitate to ask because it seems like such an obvious route to go down but i did notice that you work in the space of intimacy i do i do yeah so what's been your journey there <sighs> intense and fun at the same time uh, probably you are talking about the last um, post podcast that I did on about femdom, and it was so curious because I was following that that woman for a while on my Instagram feed, and I felt the hit to send her a message to do a podcast, and she immediately said yes, and I was going to travel to Lisbon for a holiday trip, and she was based in Lisbon. And I told her, well, what about if we meet while I'm going there? And she said, yes, of course, come here and you can visit my studio. And I was like, oh my God, that was exactly what I wanted. I wanted to see their studio. I wanted to be there. I wanted to feel the energy. And it was so fun to be there. And actually talking about that, that podcast gave me just a wider vision and about about what she, about her what she does as a professional fandom because that she told me and a lot of things that I didn't knew so it was it was quite interesting for me to to learn about about what she does and also about all the those tools and about the world um, that is something that intrigues intrigues me yeah because there is a lot of um it's not a it's not a theme or a subject that many would like to expose and talk about but nevertheless it's something that everybody most everyone has curious curiosity around that subject around that subject about the kinkies about the fetishes about uh, uh, claiming their desires, uh, and it was very, very interesting to learn more about that world. And not to be, I, I, I consider myself someone who, in, who loves learning and exploring new realms, things that I had never tried before, that I had never experienced before, and. I tend to not judge what I don't know. So like, I don't know, I don't know, let me see. Let me see how I am going to um, experience this. Let me see what, who, who, am, who am I going to, to be when I'm in touch with this kind of new societal, society, uh, shameful, um, dark things as the the world of submission and dominance and the fetishes and desires and claiming um, desires that normally are considered considered shameful <laughs> yeah. i'm fascinated by all of that too like for me working with the shadow and understanding 
the unconscious and understanding. I One of my favourite books that I refer to all the time is Existential Kink by Carolyn Elliott. Mm. And just, have you read it? No, I haven't. No. Brilliant, brilliant book. It's essentially the understanding that in our experience as, as human, it's almost like a, a trick of the divine that we have become human and we have this playoff between our conscious mind and our unconscious mind and this unconscious mind that really does take a lot of pleasure and, you know, secret pleasure in all of the things that our conscious mind finds, you know, unpleasant and almost insufferable. Yeah. So it's almost like, you know, in essence, our, our lives each and every day actually are quite kinky. If you think about it from a really super high chunk spiritual aspect, so for me, understanding the shadow, exploring the shadow, exploring those limits, it's always been something that's fascinated me. And also that, that interplay with our nervous system. Yeah. And just being able to understand like how, like what you were saying, like who am I going to be in these spaces and places of actually meeting myself in these fringes and what does it mean to hold myself there and actually deeply meet myself there? Because that was something that I, I found interesting because fetish has always been a fascinating topic to me. And I find that there is often a disconnection from the heart that takes place in the realm of fetish. I don't yeah. know what, what you have found. Yeah, I can see it too. It's like, it's like they're, they're in different boxes, like a heart is one thing and the fetish is one thing and they, they cannot go along each, uh, together, which mm -hmm. is not, not true. Yeah. Which is not true. They actually go along together. The fetish is in, it's within the heart and the heart is within the fetish because otherwise we are separating ourselves within like, no, this is the methods of the art, this is the methods of the kink or in the fetishes, and they are all together. Usually so. I think that's been some of my deepest preoccupation is like how can we meet ourselves? Like how can we bring into the, our heart into those spaces of, you know, uh, you know, dark eros, those things that stir us uh, that, you know, potentially do carry shame or stigma or dogma. Exactly. It's like, how can we bring the heart into that and actually invite in erotic innocence again? So really those conversations that you speak to, just yeah, super exciting to unearth and actually get to get into the depths of it. Yeah, for sure. Can you talk about more about, yeah, this is going to, this is going to be a conversation. So you can pop any questions and I can pop you any questions if you feel, if you feel so. This is not, I'm not a host and you are not a guest. We are both just having this moment in time and talking about whatever comes true. Uh, and you talk about dark heroes. And that is something that I've been reading on, like in, in social media. Like some people talk about heroes, some people talk about dark heroes. And for example, I am, I am Portuguese and for, sometimes I do have some, not struggles, but like in Portuguese heroes or in my my mental mental space in in the world of meanings and words that are so um, specific to myself and to the meaning to the mean to the meanings that I attach to some words. Eros for me is something that is very it, it appeals to erotic eroticism. For me, it's it's something that I'm just popping out popping out right now that I've never heard before. But when I read the word heroes or I listen to someone talking about heroes, it immediately just comes like something erotic. I definitely feel there's a really strong interrelationship between eros and eroticism. So, you know, that that is an interweaving that I think is, is critical. But sometimes I'm going to be honest. Sometimes I, I get really confused when I when I read a post for some of someone else, and then I read another post for another from another mentor or coach. I'm just like, fuck. Now I'm get, I'm getting confused. What the fuck is errors anyway? <laughs> you know, I don't even think that has anything to do with the language side of it either, because I think that so many people have different relationship to eros. I've heard so many different people describe it in so many different ways. And I think fundamentally, like 
for me, the way my brain works, I'm always looking for a pattern. Like, you know, what's the common truth? What's the thread that seems to weave through all of it? And it's like, it really comes back to that relationship to desire, like that, that pull, the thing that moves through us, that primal life force energy that draws us towards things. I think, you know, fundamentally that to me would be how I'd translate Eros. Yeah. And as far as I, as I, as I know, or as far as I am willing to leave that heroes, that is a part of me that um, sometimes gets confused. <laughs> I'm just like, okay, because my, my mind starts labeling or starts to trying to understand, oh, is it, is this eros? Is this, it's like I'm trying to, to find what eros it really is to live according to the eros, mm. if, if that makes any sense. Totally. It does definitely make sense. And it's something that I ha, has been a really big unraveling for me. And I think that if there really is, you know, even to take it back to that existential kink part, there is almost like we've created a game within life where it's the peeling back to, to that truth, to that current, to that thing that is moving us forward. And we've almost created this realm of distraction to really truly experience ourselves in those moments of, of true connection with that Eros. So Definitely, I don't think you're alone in that. I think that, you know, the conversations that I have, this is part of why I get so preoccupied with things around energetics. It's beginning to understand those subtle nuances of what is my driver here? Is this coming from that truth, that eroticism? Is it coming from that place or is this coming from my conditioning and, and my wounding and my trauma, you know, or my logic? Exactly. Yeah. Or, for example, uh, like a, a construction that I've created in my mind that I believe and I'm convinced that is an error that is errors. So sometimes I, I, I caught myself navigating in those realms, <laughs> I must say. And um, so what would be like the opposite of errors if there is an opposite? I'm just, I'm, like a... This question just came through, and I don't know why I'm why am I why am I asking it? Perhaps I love that. I think it's a great question because naturally, inherently, all things must have their equal opposite. I'm a big fan of like the hermetic principles and <sighs> the law of polarity and duality and all of those things. So inherently, if there is eros, there must be you know anti-eros or whatever the equivalent is. Yeah, so interesting. That is coming true. So interesting. And I think, you know, that's that real disconnection from that primal, that desire. It becomes, I, it's interesting. I talk a lot about the scale of consciousness. I don't know if you know of David R. Hawkins' work. Which one? Hawkins? The Hawkins, yeah. Hawkins, yeah. Yes. And people say, oh, desire is quite a base level emotion when you look at it on the spectrum. And I think that the desire that is mapped on the scale of consciousness is more speaking to more like what I would call covetedness. Like, you know, when we speak back to like biblical terms, it's that jealousy, it's that envy, desire, as opposed to true desire, which comes from that space of innocence and that expansion. So I think almost that opposite of Eros is that contrast construct that you speak to where we think that things are outside of ourselves and away from us. What do you mean? Unattainable. So something we'll never be able to reach. Okay, got it. It's like we believe that by having what the next person has where somehow then be complete and fulfilled. Yeah. 
and what eros means to someone is a completely different thing to another one to another person 100 is that more of a am i discovering more of myself in this or am i looking for something to fix me or complete me yeah like that search that, for completeness suggests that there's brokenness and i think that that is more of that construct of desire rather than true desire and how do you recognize a true desire from a constructive desire if i may ask it's for me it's that really honing the connection to the intuition being able to listen to the subtlety so often when things become a preoccupation of the mind it's that lower baser form of desire as opposed to true desire which is often sometimes illogical it's just that stirring and that pulling towards something that you can't explain yeah that's what i felt when i first wrote the post to do this podcast this season it was something that came just like yeah i was sitting sitting at the coffee drinking my, my espresso and i was like oh i want to do this i'm just going to write this post if something comes in comes in if no one sends me a message that will be okay but that is exactly what i wanted to write now so i have been receiving some messages that people are interested in and love the idea and i'm just like uh i wasn't see that coming but it was something so from my core from my essence something that, that i really desired and i didn't i wasn't worried and i really didn't care if no one showed up i think mm. it was the first time in my coaching business years or whatever of mentorship that i really created something that was really that was coming really from me from my essence and that's that natural magnetism that comes from it i think you know when i said to you i just felt the magnetic pull to reach out i thought well let's see and again there was much that same of like oh i feel something here i'll put myself forward and see if the resonance is shared so i feel there's so much and that's part of why this journey back to essence and eros is so key to everything that i do in my life is because it's naturally magnetic it just pulls things in it's that vibrational resonance piece that i think is just so powerful and so you know magical yeah because it kind of is magical and it's something also i want to bring this this through through that um especially especially me i'm talking about myself and my experience like there was this expectation that oh my god when i start living my eros i'm going to have such amazing and beautiful and magical experiences and sometimes it's not that way sometimes you get to live some painful and some shitty moments when you are in the in that that path so that is that that is exactly where where i am currently navigating it's like okay i'm dealing with this amount of pain within myself that i have been denying for so long because i was you know projecting and amplifying myself and doing things that i really didn't want to be doing but i thought i had to be doing because marketing stuff because coaching business because i need to get some money into uh whatever and now it's just like i'm being more and more within myself um and that has been such a painful journey like the last month it's like i'm dealing with so much pain inside and this was the subject that i talked talked with with the last um the first woman that i had a talk with for the for the for the podcast it was about pain so i'm not going to talk about pain unless you want to talk about pain <laughs> i feel like talking to a femdom about pain i feel like that's probably her area of expertise so happy to go somewhere else <laughs> if even talking with a with a with a femdom about pain was so interesting because she said that what she does is not exactly to create pain unless the customer the client wants to to feel some pain the the goal is not to create pain it's not to 
induce pain in the, in the client. But most of clients, they want to feel pain because they have such, uh, not boring lives, but they want to experience themselves in other levels. And pain actually brings them pleasure afterwards. So it is so interesting to feel that something that we normally avoid, but something that gives us so much pleasure when we feel it. It's an interesting spectrum. Like I come always come back to that hermetic principle of polarity. It's innate. The more that we resist pain, the more that we also inhibit pleasure. It is such a, a, a an incredible paradox. Hundred percent. Paradox is one of yeah my passion topics. I'm always looking at how resolution of paradox is ultimately how we navigate existence. Yeah. Let's talk about paradoxes then. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All about the paradox life. Yeah, it's um, and and again, that's a big part of why I love magic. Magic is such a big part of what I do because it's a powerful way to understand the universal paradox. You know, paradox of existence, existence in and of itself is a paradox. So, yeah, anything that empowers me to have new ways and new lenses to apply to that, whether or not that's eros, whether or not that's energy whatever it is, it's like, okay, how do we understand this mystery that we're all participating in? Yeah. It's so much bigger and beyond to the mind's com mind comprehension. I think that that's, it's, it's almost addictive in a way, being able to have those moments of being able to peek beyond the veil, like to be able to see something in a way that you haven't seen it before and to, to see yourself in it. It's like those moments of observation. And I imagine that that's part of the ecstasy that's actually brought on through, you know, things like um, sub, subdom relationship. It's mm -hmm. that seeing yourself in a different way and seeing existence in a different way um, and there is, there's this sense of actually seeing the level of submission that you've given to this larger plan at the same time as being so on some level in control of it. So do you believe you are in control of it? Again, it's another paradox. We laid it down that path. It's like, you know, we are both the creators of our reality at the same time as being participants in it. Yeah. Yeah, got it. So I guess sometimes observing where we've unwittingly given our power away. And when you sort of catch yourself in catch yourself in the illusion of powerlessness. It's, it's like, oh, you know, so it's a kink. It's a fetish. It's like, oh, that's, you know, a little bit exciting. And it gets to be a bit of a thrill. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in my, my experience, um, like I have, I've been in the, in the coaching business and industry, like since 2013, 2012, roughly. Before that, I was more into the energetics, more into Reiki and to learning more about all those healing um, therapies. When I went to the, to the coaching industry, I started learning more practical stuff. And uh, I was going to say something and I lost it. I forgot what I was going to say. Lost it. So what was it that led you from, because I find the, the journey from healer to coach to mentor to facilitator really fascinating. What was it that led you from the path of healing or Reiki into mm -hmm. more coaching? What was it that spurned that journey? 
I didn't like doing Reiki to other people. <laughs> that, that's the truth. I learned, I, I love doing the, the level one, level two, level three from Reiki. But then, then when, when I was applying them to my clients, I just hated it. I just hated it being just like one hour changing positions. And I was just like, what the fuck am I doing this? I don't like doing this. I did enjoy receiving the Reiki. I did enjoy learning the principles of Mikao Usui and all that is associated to, to Reiki. But when I was applying to the customers, to my clients, I was like, oh, I don't like doing it. I don't like doing it. So it was like a natural process um, because I was always trying to find something to fill up a void within. Mm. So I was always looking for something external, but obviously very unconscious. I didn't knew back then that I was doing it. Perhaps right now I'm still doing it, but on a different layer, on a different spectrum, I'm looking for something that I have no idea what I'm looking for. So life is bringing me, people is bringing me circumstances that I'm just like, oh, Look, this is happening right now. Well, it's not that it's happening. I am creating this, this thing right now so I can see something that I haven't seen before about myself. So I can discover more about me. So I can be in my essence and come home to myself. Yeah, that gave me goosebumps because it is, it's that, again, it's that paradox piece. You know, it's the, the self is illuminated through other. Yeah, it's in, in relationship with our external environment. It's in relationship with other people. It's that relationship that we, we truly see ourselves. So it is interesting how it's almost like it's the external that's required to illuminate the internal so often. As long as we bring it home, like you say, coming home to self. So when people spend too long outside of themselves and not bring it back, that it then just becomes that hollowness. Yeah. Yeah, I know what I, I, I remember what I was going to talk about, about um, how quick I, and often I give my power away in so many circumstances. And I'm just like, but in that moment, I am not, seeing it so it's like i am closing this gap and being becoming more faster in recognizing in those moments that's why i see them as all as a blessing as vital to my um development or to my home homecoming i must say and there's no other way around. There's no other way around. If you want something, and I, when I say, when I, if I want something, it's not from an attached attachment. It's like, no, I want to make decisions from my being, from my core, from my essence. Not because I have listened or something from outside, not because someone's told me it, was, it would be good for me, but because I want to do them. And the more I do that, the, the, the gap, it's closing. So it's like I'm becoming faster in recognizing those moments. But nevertheless, I still sometimes give my power away. It's not that I give my power away because it's not possible to give my power away. But I can see myself like uh, moving and acting from my condition itself. Hmm. But like, Acting from my, for what I, for what I believe and what I, uh, what I am convinced be more safe for me in avoiding seeing the, um, seeing myself in, in the truth of who I really am. And today, for example, I have a, I have a, an opportunity to claim back 
that um, enclose even even more that gap. Like a friend of mine, it's a friend of mine's birthday today, and I always I I've been always in her birthday, like she's an old friend. But today, I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in her birthday. Perhaps I will send you send her a message saying that well I'm not going to be there because I'm not feeling it's a yes for me to go there. And probably this will create some tension between us. Probably she will get mad. Probably she will, you know, please come, blah, 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 blah. But the truth, the truth in my being, it's not going there. Mm. You know? I think that's often a bit of a fairy tale that gets told around intuition and essence is this idea that once you start living in your truth once you start following your intuitive knowing that it somehow gets to be easier often yep up front we're confronted with all the places that we haven't been in our truth like the relationships we've harbored the unconscious contracts we've entered into around who we need to be or show up as so initially there is a lot of pain like you said there is you know potential tension between you and this old friend and i i think that that is i think yeah again something people don't really speak to enough when you start personal development or coaching it's there there is inevitably there's death there's the death of who you thought you were and who you thought you needed to be exactly Mm. and the person that she thinks i am or the person that I think she is, but no, it's, this is not the way I want to talk. I want to say it. It's like I have grown and I have been developing and I've been expanding. And obviously, my friends, most of my friends that I, in my in the friendship zone it's where I still have a lot of matter, a lot of density, a lot, not a lot, but I do have some matter. I do have some density to, to play with because the, the Dali that, that was, that, that they met one year ago or even yesterday does not longer exist. So I'm in this continual, not process, but every time I woke up, it's just like, okay, so this is it's a new day. It's my white canva or black canva or whatever. So today I'm going to write whatever I want to write. But that is me. This is how I approach my life. This is how I live my life. And not everybody lives their lives like this. Most of them are still attached to an identity that was created like in the past, like an illusion. And I'm not saying that I in a few relationships that I, in few dynamic relationships that I have, I do have that same pattern in thinking that that person is still the same person that I met (laughs) many years ago, which does not, which is not true because people are always developing and evolving every day. Uh, And sometimes I, I, it's not that I struggle, but I see myself like, recently and quite often in that in that in that place like you have to tell the truth you have to be honest with yourself first but you have to tell the truth Hmm. your truth and my truth is not something that well i'm going to just start saying whatever i want to say no just like no i don't want to go or yes i do want to go or if even if i'm at the party i want to leave and i'm going to leave because that is my truth and that has been like so fun and at the same time excruciating because I feel all that uncomfortableness within like, oh my God, now I'm going to leave. But that, that person, my friend is gonna, I don't know, see myself or going to perceive me as someone like, who doesn't care about their feelings or whatever which is not true. And it is true at the same time, the paradox. <laughs> like I do care, but I don't care because right now what I do care is about myself. Mm. It's about myself, it's my well-being. 
it's being true to myself and it, that's the only way that that someone even you or anybody that I, that, that I will know that I will meet that will actually see me of who I, as, as who I am being who I am I think so like in terms of what you were saying around participating in intimacy I think gets to be redefined in a lot of ways because so often the model we're taught is a model of sacrifice it's like we need to compromise and sacrifice in order to meet each other it's like how radical is it to suddenly think of intimacy as that ability to actually deeply advocate for what you need yeah exactly so i think there is that for me in so many ways is true intimacy and i absolutely loved when you made the distinction between just saying whatever it is that you're thinking versus actually coming back to that place of like oh what is what am i needing what is my yes what is my no as opposed to because I find people often get that so confused when they start thinking about truth, they start projecting all over people. It's like, that's you running the construct. That's you alchemizing a wound. And like, yes, certainly sometimes in places where both people have consented, that can be a powerful process. However, I feel that so many people run unchecked thinking that they're talking a truth that is really just an illusion. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that has been my latest field of play. And it's bringing me some pain and it's curious because for so many years I would label pain as something that I don't want to feel it. I don't want to talk about it. I just want to hide myself. I want to isolate. I want to withdraw. I don't want to meet people. And I've been doing differently this time. It's just like, no, if I'm in pain, I'm in pain. I'm not going to uh, put a blanket on my, <laughs> hide myself behind under a blanket and avoid and um, pretend that, that I'm not feeling pain because that is not the truth. And that is, it's been so deep, so, so interesting because the moment I start, I started like in my day-to-day -day dynamics, when people ask me, so how are you? And I honestly say, well, actually I'm not feeling really good. I'm feeling pain. Oh my God, are you okay? What's happening? I'm just feeling pain. <laughs> no, nothing to save. I don't need your help, so to speak. I'm just feeling pain right now. And it's so hilarious because people don't know how to, or most people don't know how, if they don't know how to deal with their pain themselves, when they find someone who's having pain, they immediately try to save the person or try to save me or try to um, make myself feeling better, which, which, which is not the case. Pain is, Pain, the pain demands to be felt. And actually, you have to go through the pain and feel it all through. Uh, not because, and that is something that I have changed. Not because I want to feel good, but because it's, it's how it is. Mm. I know that again. Yeah, afterwards I will feel better or with less pain. But I'm not doing because I want to do, I want to be in that state of feeling good state. It's just because it is what it is. And I think, yeah, there is such a pursuit. There is, it's like, it's the objective to be reached always, isn't it? It's like, you know, I'll feel my feelings so that I don't have to feel them anymore. As opposed to feeling the feeling because they're there to be felt. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I love that again. And that, that's, I think I, because I, I teach, I teach coaches, I have a mentorship program and it's, it's stages of development. I feel that there's that pursuit to not be in pain is required to motivate people to the point that they finally understand that their feelings aren't the enemy. 
but I feel we all go through like, because if you think about what the conditioning we've come from, you know, we're a, we're a hedonistic society. It's like, how can we pursue more pleasure? And the idea that of pleasure that's fed back to us is this idea that we're going to forever be happy, that we're going to have all the nice things and all of it's very surface level, as opposed yeah. to like actually truly devoting ourselves to a richness of experience. So, yeah, I, I love that because it is, it's a, but I do feel it's a stage of development. Like I think there was a period of time where I first realized how objective driven I was. Like I'm going to feel my sadness. So I don't feel it anymore. Um, yeah. There was some shame attached to that. I thought, oh, I was doing it wrong. And now I'm just like, oh no, I was required to go through that to get to the point that I understand that it's not, doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Yeah. The tendency to demonize the pain and to feel it faster and get rid of it faster in order to be in a certain state. I was actually, I had this attachment, like when I'm in pain or it meant that my energy was low, there was not, that, that I wasn't attracting abundance, that I wasn't being like in a higher state, like in a walking scale, like you were talking about previously, that, oh my God, I'm in pain, I'm going to be miserable, I'm, in, I'm not going to attract any clients, I'm not going to, to, to create some money, my magnetism or magic or whatever are so low because I'm feeling this, this pain, so I have to move through it fast so I can reach a, a specific state because in that specific state, I will reach whatever the fuck. That was a fucking illusion. <laughs> And I've been there so much, so so many, many, much, much time. It's seductive, though. It very is. It's it's yeah. very seductive to think that you know it's the high vibe illusion. It'd be vibing high to you know pull in people. Um, I think you know there is so much to be said for truth. You know what we were talking about before. Like I feel resonance really comes from truth, rather than, um, I guess sanitizing we seek to sanitize experience we seek to sanitize our emotions it's like well how can we be with what's most true regardless yeah even yesterday a friend of mine he was scrolling in the in the facebook or in instagram or whatever and he was showing me like a profile for someone and he was like oh see look at them they are so happy blah 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 blah, blah. and i was just like uh, no no they they seem happy and that is a very level surfaced uh, posting, profile, whatever. But I'm not interested in that. I'm more interested in the depths that are not being shown there. Mm. Because we are so... I was, I was really very... I was believing everything that I was seeing on social media. Oh, my God. Like in, in the in the in the glitter, in the shining, and with this and with that. And I would completely believe what every coach and every mentor would be saying. I was just like, okay, if they are saying it's because they are the expert, so I'm going to follow their strategy, I'm going to follow what they are saying because I actually don't know. So I'm going to follow that person. I'm gonna believe what that person is saying, because if that person is saying, it's because it's truth. So I didn't even have the discernment to check within myself if that was really something that I wanted to do, that I wanted to create. I've been so now, yeah, so now I'm just like, okay, that person, that is true for that person. Cool. I'm so happy for that person. But what about me? What about for myself? Is it true for me? Is this something that I want to create? Is this something I want to do? And most of the times it was a big fucking no. So, oh, so interesting. And ha having the courage and the willingness to really start putting out what is true for me, what is true for me in the moment, regardless, that is the step into the unknown absolutely i don't know if you've seen the new elvis movie that they've just brought out i, I haven't is it, it was, um, 
Is it on movies, on theatres? It's, oh, yeah, it's on in cinemas at the moment. We went last night uh, to see it here and it was, I had no idea really around, I guess, the torment that that man went through in his life. And one of the, the redeeming, I guess, messages I kind of took away from the whole experience is really what his legacy was, was founded in those moments of truth. So often everyone that was his advisor, his counsel in those times in terms of what his next step was to do in his career, whenever he would buck that and follow his heart was when think he had a breakthrough. Those were the moments throughout his career that people remember him for. That is how he became an icon. And it was by going completely against the grain most of the time and coming back to this place of, you know, what, what feels most true for me. So I just really loved and, and ultimately, you know, if we wanted to turn it into a bit of a cautionary tale, it was all the times that he went against that that really made him suffer in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, and it seems like we are going against what people are saying or others are, are you know, suggesting and recommending us for to do. Like, like, like if we are rebelling against what, what the what has been thought outside, which is not, but it ends to be like a, a rebel act of living according to our heart's desires, to our mm. true essence. It, and for, for people that are not doing that, we, we, we will be perceived as fucking rebels. <laughs> totally. So I think, you know, and, and also because you know, society as a whole. It's this idea of understanding of the obligations of living in a society and living in civilised society. It's this in, inherent contracts that we're, we're meant to adhere to. So this is how you shall participate. These are the things you shall aim for in order for you to participate effectively in this society. So naturally when we start to listen to the heart and the heart's not going in the trajectory that society desires us to go, it is an act of rebellion because it's bucking social norms. Yeah, yeah for sure. And that's where it, it can seem such a threat because it's this idea of all this then becomes counterculture, which it literally is. It's counterculture. Counterculture. Exactly. A toast to more people doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here for it. It's part of, you know, what I love to create. So, yeah. So what do you love to create? I, for me personally, like it's, I'm really going through a big journey myself and probably dealing with a lot of pain. I've coming back to that place of how much I have been a cheerleader for others, mm -hmm. probably the last good few years of my life. It's been very much about how can I support people in their homecoming? How can I be the person that helps them, help step them home, you know, be there to hold their hand and illuminate the path. Mm -hmm. And that being something that was so powerful for me to participate in the creation and the co-creation of, to then coming back to, oh, if it's not about being the cheerleader, if it's not about being the person that lights the way, what do I want to experience? So that for me is the, the big unraveling that makes my heart feel so raw right now. It's like, what, what do I choose for myself? Yeah, because I just started following your Instagram account before we jump up into this conversation. And I just read the first uh, post you did. It was like six hours ago. And you were talking about meaning, finding the meaning. You want to talk about, about that? Let me go through there. So it was interesting. I was listening to a, a podcast with Jordan Peterson and he was talking about his, his journey to, to meaning as opposed to happiness. Mm -hmm. And it was something that really hit home for me. And I think that, you know, when I think about that cheerleading journey, that for me was, was meaning at that time mm -hmm. because I experienced the death of my um, late husband four years ago. He died of pancreatic cancer at the age of 36. And wow. my whole life kind of got turned upside down. I went from being, you know, a mum and a, we know, to his two children. So I was a mum to two stepchildren that lived with us full time and also caring for him when he was sick to suddenly being on my own 
So it was like, well, who am I outside of, you know, what I've been before? Like, what, what is my truth? And it was that navigating back to truth. And I think in those moments, what felt most powerfully alive for me was how I could be there for others. It was this idea of how I can serve, how I can show up. And that felt most meaningful to me. So despite necessarily being happy because I was journeying phases of deep grief, it's like it felt like I was contributing in a meaningful way. It's just like, oh, my experience gets to empower and support others. Your experience, according to that uh, period of time where when your husband died, correct? Now so more, but I think because at that point I, w- I used to be in the fitness industry. So it was somebody that helped people with personal training and nutrition and all of those things. And nutrition and fitness had been such an anchor for me throughout his, his uh, sickness. It was like my time because I hadn't really done a lot of personal development work as such. I was involved in a lot of behind the scenes kind of coaching. I didn't even realize it was personal development. I was kind of like just did a few sessions with my coach that I've been seeing since I was 15. Don't even think I called her a coach. I just called her by a name because I didn't know a coach was a thing. Yeah. Um, so for me, the most powerful anchor really was that ability to come back to my body. So that was what kept me in the fitness industry. I'm like, wow, if I can just allow other people to have this outlet, you know, to come back to their body through exercise. And then that kind of led me deeper down the path because I was like, wow, you know, these people are achieving these things that they want with their body, but they're still not happy. And I was just like, well, what's there then? And that was all got me preoccupied with actually diving into the personal development side of things. Because I'm like, well, if it's not the body, what is it then? And just diving deeper and deeper and deeper into the, you know, what what creates meaning, what creates, you know, happiness. Hmm. Hmm. And for you, what does create happiness? <laughs> I think now sitting here, I think happiness, you know, it, it's sterile as an answer as this is. Happiness is a state. You know, it's that idea of I really like when people talk about love as a state. Mm-hmm. You're not necessarily in love with someone. You're in love because they allow you to access love within yourself. Mm-hmm. I see it. So much in the same way, it's like happiness is that ability to be able to access happiness within yourself. Yeah. And I think so much of that happiness is being able to be present to what's what's occurring in your life i think you know what so much of suffering is when we detach when we become the observer so too far removed and not even consciously observing most of the time numbing and disconnecting yeah I, i'm not a person i have never um search for happiness it's like it was never something that people around me and even in the school they were like oh what do you want to achieve when you are a grown-up most of them would uh, would reply would answer i I want to be happy Mm. and i always felt happiness because for me it was such a foreign concept and i didn't even knew what happiness meant and i didn't knew I had no idea what those those people around me back then were actually looking for, aiming for. It was not what I what I knew was they are they are looking for something that they believe will bring them happiness. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like 13, 14 years old. And I was just like, that is not even, I, I remember having this, this thinking process, that is not even possible because happiness is not outside. I wasn't even in the, in the self-development industry. Actually, internet was not even a thing back, back then. So, but I remember having this thought like, 
that person wants to be happy from something outside that's, that that does not make any sense. Although I am I am a person that I have been searching for satisfaction, hmm. always to feel satisfaction. That has been my main thing throughout my life. Being feeling satisfied with the things that I have, the things that I own, the person that I am. That has been my main team. Although sometimes I, when I start thinking about satisfaction, what it, what, what satisfaction is for me. Mm. Sometimes it's like just waking up and putting my makeup. Is I'm feeling satisfied about that. So it's not something that it's it is never outside like happiness, and it's something that. Um, it's not it's not supposed to 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 be in every day in my life in all the moments of my day it's something that i that i'm in touch with i think that's a healthy way to look at it too because i think again like we mentioned earlier about the richness of experience like i think you know any state experience for too long like you know it again paradox too much water you'll drown you know exactly. if you drink too much water you'll drown if you you know breathe too much air you'll hyperventilate like it's everything is in moderation like not being obsessively obsessively searching for something that it's not even possible to be in all the time because every moment requires and asks you to do a different move as should to be a different being situations are always um you are over, or or as at least as i see myself things are always happening and i'm creating them in order for me to become more of who i am so if i'm not satisfied right now it does not really matter something I will create something afterwards that perhaps will bring me satisfaction or not, but that is not the goal. The goal is to live all the experiences, even when I'm not satisfied with them. Even when I have nothing, even when I completely lost my shit, even when I being in that state and enjoying that state as much as I can, and living it, not trying to avoid it, that is something really outstanding. Absolutely. And I think, you know, that coming back to before with presence and being in it as, as opposed to detached and observing, it's that being able to hold, again, the paradox of being in it and also seeing yourself in it. Because I see sometimes that where people can err is when they become so associated into their emotional body that they're no longer able to discern. So I think, you know, that's, the, that's that next phase of being able to kind of be with yourself in your emotions, in that being true, while simultaneously understanding that we are an infinite being that has decided to have this experience for such a brief time on earth. So it's like, ah, oh, this is both real as much as is my soul that is eternal is real. So truth. Infinite beings. No end, no beginning. Hmm. So cool. I am okay to end up this this talk. Do you want to talk about something else? Do you want to bring yeah, something? That feels up? good. It feels good. It does. End with infinite beings. Like it feels great. No ending, no beginning. Just experiencing the layers of being and creating whatever we wish to create, we want to create to ourselves. Absolutely. And yeah, that malleability to understand that we are, we're always ever changing. The downward pressure of 
the, you know, the downward pressure of ultimately things coming into existence inevitably forces change. So nothing is fixed. As I see it for my, as I see it, it's like we, I am who I am within my core, my essence is like unmovable. It, it doesn't change. What, what changes is the amount of density and the matter that I choose to play with that are removed from my, my, my energetic field that I become so closer to me that I don't want to leave myself anymore. I don't want to abandon myself anymore. Like the example I've, I said to you earlier, like today I'm not going to be my friend's birthday because I'm first. My well-being is first and I don't want to go. So stick to the truth. <laughs> yeah. Right now I don't want to go perhaps in a couple of hours the energy shifts and perhaps I want to go, but right now I don't want to go. And that is sometimes um, what it's most challenging to challenging to navigate through. I think, you know, it's that permission to come back to the wisdom of children. Children are so in tune to what's moving. And we condition ourselves out of it. It's like, I want that. I don't want that. I feel this. I don't feel that. It's like, it's just, and we go through the, the loss of self to navigate back to that. Yeah. So cool. Jessica, it was so nice to meet you. I love talking with you. It was such a beautiful like conversation. Thank you so yeah. much. So beautiful to connect with you. Yeah.